Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back here. Good to see you all as well. I'm excited. Good morning, Pam. Good to see you. Good morning, Michelle. I've missed you. You've been our online guest, though. I've seen you. I'm checking you out, <laughs> making sure you're with us. Yes, uh, man, I, I'm, uh, I just want to celebrate for a moment our decoration team that came out. I don't know if you've noticed anything different in the entryway and out front, but uh, we're halfway there. There's a lot more to come, but man, I'm just so proud of everybody that showed up yesterday. I guess it was like six hours, seven hours we were here just knocking it out. So thank you guys so much, those of you who are, who are here, who were here last night. It is, uh, it's, it's really cool seeing this all come together. There's going to be a lot more to come, so I'm excited about the outcome, getting ready. Our, our Christmas service is December 19th, so Christmas this year falls on the following Saturday, and then I know you guys are going to be Christmas hungover on Sunday, and so we're knocking it out on the, on the 19th. Next year, Christmas falls on a Sunday, so we're, I've got some creative things that I want to do for you guys on that day, and uh, Kevin is going to be preaching, Kevin Brucker. So that's going to be nice. Y'all ready for that? Everybody give a round of applause for Kevin Brucker. <laughs> and then he's not going to show up here ever again. <laughs> no. Well, we're in our series, Pain to Purpose, and uh, we are in week six, so if you, if this is actually a new booklet, if you think you have this already, you don't, unless you got it today, uh, we just reprinted the, printed these out, rather, and I believe we're on page eight in our notes, page eight, and sorry, six and seven in our notes, and we're talking about the prophetic test today. We've gone through the pride test We've gone through the pit test, the palace test. We've gone through the purity test, the prison test. Pastor Cass spoke last week. Did he do a great job or what? I'll tell you what. He is a storyteller, isn't he? And he has uh, an authentic story uh, to be able to go along with the prison test. And so God works all things out. you, You wouldn't believe how when you just start to envision things and say, okay, here we go then, and, and allow Lord, the Lord to lead, he makes things fall into place. I had no idea that as we were building this, that the prison test would fall on the day that I was going to be out of town, but as soon as I realized that that's the date, I'm like, Pastor Cass, here we go, and, and then we have more to come for you guys. So I'm, I'm really, I, I love just allowing the Lord to lead and just walking in what he's doing, and that really leads into what we're talking about today in the prophetic test Because God has spoken a prophetic word over every one of us. Every one of you, whether you know it or not, whether you've discovered it, leaned in and received that word or not, God has spoken a word over you. In fact, because God speaks, he creates when he speaks. He has, when he created you, he had already created a good work for you so that you would find it. That's his word, Ephesians 2.10. And, if, and Isaiah 48 tells us that he spoke, he, uh, he speaks a word. When he speaks a word, it will come to pass. And here's the thing about that. Some people think, well, I don't have to do anything. God's just going to make it happen. Well, that's not the case. I, there's a lot that I need to do. It's a lot of humility, a lot of humbling, a lot of conforming, a lot of getting into this thing that's called the Word of God and allowing this to lead our decisions and our character, our choices. And that's what all this comes down to is character. And so that this really, these 10 tests, I want to encourage you to take both of these little notes, keep these right here. That's why we started doing this 
because of the value that's inside of those and just allow those to have like a 10 dial or gauge dashboard of your spiritual life so that you can assess when I'm going through something. Let me go to my dashboard of these 10 tests and let me remember what Pastor Nathan, Pastor Cass, the speakers have, have spoken about these subjects. Let me maybe go back and review on YouTube, uh, on Facebook Live, whatever it is. Let me go back and review some of the things that maybe I'm missing right now for this stage in my life because I don't want to plateau. I don't want to stay here. And what, what ends up happening is we blame situations, circumstances, people, and things rather than internalizing and realizing, wait a minute, let me do a self-assessment, a self-check. Let me check the gauges on my dashboard of these 10 areas so I don't have to stay here. Like, I don't have to live here forever. I don't have to live in this pit. You know, you're in a pit if you're feeling pitiful, right? You know, pride test is one of those big ones. It never stops coming around. None of these ever stop coming around, so that's why you can always use them as a 10-gauge dashboard for your spiritual journey if you even want to grow spiritually. If you don't, you can continue to sit there in a, a pew-like situation, <laughs> circumstance, and just, just rest. But you may be uncomfortable here because we're going to push you along in your spiritual journey. And so I just want to encourage you there to remember God is always doing a good work. It's never an outside circumstance as much as it is an internal situation. God has always given us every answer for every situation, no matter what the cause, and it's in this thing right here. We're always going to lean into that. But each of you has a spoken word for your life. God's desire is that we lean in and discover that spoken word when he created you. He created a destiny. He already had a destiny. He created you with a desire for you to reach the destination of your destiny. If I were to give you those desti the destination and destiny, I already gave you the word desire because God created you, and when he spoke that word, it was his desire that you discover the destiny that he had created you, the purpose, the ultimate purpose of why he created you. He created you on purpose, with purpose. No matter how you got here, no one is an accident. God created you on purpose, with purpose. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. Well, is there, ever, is there anybody who was born that was never in a mother's womb? You were never in a mother's womb. Okay, there's one person who is, is the immaculate conception. Or, well, not even that, because you weren't even in your mother's womb. So I, I don't, we'll have to talk later. I want to hear about this story. Testimony next week. She's given her testimony. She was never in her mother's womb. But when it, when it comes down to this, this is God's greatest desire for each and every one of you. And then this is why you hear God puts, he doesn't give you your desires of your heart. He actually gives you his desires, which he puts in your heart, and he fulfills those desires as you come closer to him. And those desires lead you to purpose, the purpose in which he created you. It's not about you. It's all about him. And so if we get ourselves out of the way fast enough, then we can move forward in him. And that's where the blessed life, the abundant life, begins to, to thrive in us. But he sets forth that path. You have a choice. You can walk in the path or you can walk out of the path. You can walk away from it. It's not his desire. You can walk in it. You can stay in the journey, which you'll finally realize your, his, dis, his destiny on your life. That's how you're going to arrive at his destiny, staying in the journey, the path of the journey that he has set for you. However, here's the deal. 
There's another destination that, that Satan desires for you to have. And everything, he's trying to bring everything he possibly can to thwart you, to distract you, to hinder you, to frustrate you from the spiritual journey that you're on that God desires. So there's two destinations. One has God's desire and has destiny, has purpose connected to it. And the other one is a distraction. It's the destination that Satan has for you. And it's his ambition, his goal, his main focus in his existence is to keep you from fulfilling the very thing that God has purposed you for. That's the whole work. If, if Satan can do anything, it's trying to keep God's people from fulfilling their God-given purpose. And when he can do that, then he can confuse not only the church, but the lost world. And we get to choose, we get to choose, are we going to play a part in God's desire, leads to destiny, leads to purpose, or Satan's destiny, his destination. There is no other way. There is no gray area. There is, there is no, well, I'll just settle for this. No, that's Satan's destination. And I know it's a strong word, but that's how strong and passionate the word the Lord is for you and I and for his kingdom, for what he desires to come to fruition. And everything has to be challenged right here. So God speaks and he always creates. And the Bible tells us that he spoke a word over each one of us, right? And so maybe God told you, I want you to be an, an a, a, a amazing father or an amazing mother. I want you to be a father, let's say, who, who is, is an entrepreneur who is using your space to influence a lost world. Maybe, maybe God be, begins to tell you, I want you to be a, a mother who is, who is also very business-minded, very very wise in, in your thinking and your approach to life situation. Now, the challenge therein, when God speaks these things, the challenge begins. Now comes the character test along the way to begin to not, not defeat you. Because if we take Satan's path towards his destination, defeat is there. Frustration, anxiety, worry, fear, all these things, if we own them as our, our own, then we're owning the, the destination path of Satan. However, these character, if we realize these character tests are there to prove us, to shape us, to conform us, to, to grow us in humility towards him, then we realize, hey, this is just a test to grow me into the, the destination, the purpose that God has for me. And when we, we just switch that little, little switch, little toggle switch in our mind, there's a different approach to the situation, circumstances, problems, challenges in life, Right? So all of a sudden, I no longer see it this way. Now I'm seeing it, oh, this way. Now i got to deal with this thing right here and this that's leading this. And then when that happens, there's a completely different approach to whatever is happening externally right here. I hope I'm not over speaking too much. So you're, you're going to get tested immediately when you begin to realize, wait a minute, I feel like God's leading me to do blank. I want you to turn to, if you have your Bible, Psalms 105, 17 through 19, because we're talking about Joseph. We're picking up the story, and yes, we've been in Genesis, but there's another place in the Old Testament. It's called the Psalms. It's a book of poetry where God is actually speaking about this situation of Joseph. And it says in verse 17, he sent a man before them. He's talking about Joseph's family, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Remember, we talked about it in week, week two, the pit test, that Joseph's brothers took him, acted like he was dead, faked his death, told his father that, but they threw him in a pit one. Then they saw some slave traders come along. They said, no, let's take him out of the pit. Let's sell him to slavery. And so this is the one that Joseph, that God had actually sent before them, but the sending was not so pretty. 
Any ever, anybody ever been in a sending that's not so pretty? I have. They hurt his feet. Verse 18, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid with iron, laid in iron. So he had, he had, he had shackles on him. Verse 19 is what we're going to look into. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Until the time that the, his word, Joseph's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Now this is Hebrew, Old Testament, Greek, New Testament, right? Psalms is an Old Testament poetry, poet, poetic book with history and some prophecy embedded inside of it. So it's a beautiful uh, transliteration and expression of what God has done, what he is doing, and again, yet what he will do. In our language, a word has many uses. So you could use uh, say like as in I like this or yeah like this or you know a common term there may be other words like right yeah you know right well that is that you don't mean to turn right or you're just saying right so there's two different uses there some some words there's even more uses for that same word than than in other languages than than just one word in the Hebrew a word would have one use typically with many expressions however one word, our word in the English rather, one word will be used in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, many different ways, many different expressions. And it actually, though we translate it as one thing, we are translating it from many different words, many different Hebrew words. And for us, it just looks like in this context, Word, And I'm going to break this down because it's hard because you're dealing with a word, word. <laughs> when you're talking about the word, word, it gets really wordy. And so, so we're talking about, if we're talking about this situation, until the word, until that time that his word, this word right here would be Dabar in the Hebrew language. 1,439 times you'll find it in the Old Testament uh, it's throughout. It's pretty commonly used. Dabar, his word, means spoken word. It's a spoken word. We would know it as a prophetic word. It was a word that came through a dream. It, this was just the method for Joseph through a dream. It was a spoken word from God, a prophetic word, to Joseph. And it says, until that prophetic word, that spoken word came to pass, the word of the Lord. This right here, this word would be Imrah in the Hebrew language. Imrah is more like a literal word. And so what they would be talking about in the Old Testament would have been referring to the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. For us, it's the Bible, the whole, the whole book. And so let me just break this down as we, were re we would read it, read it literally. Until the time that the spoken word came to pass, the Bible, the word of God, tested him. So until that prophetic word comes to pass in your life that God has already spoken to you, and if you've received it, you've leaned in and understood it, until that word comes to pass, this thing right here is going to challenge every decision that you make, every heart attitude, every approach to everything, every thought, every idea, every perspective. This filter right here is going to begin to, as you choose, begin to challenge to develop, to strengthen, to grow you, to cultivate you, to culture you, to conform you into the fullness of why God created you and what God created you for. And it's this thing right here that begins the concept, this thing called the tests. So 
For it's the same for us right here. Until the prophetic word came to pass, the Bible, the word of God, the written word, the literal written word tested him. And that's where every one of you and I are. That's where we are right now. We're all being, no matter where, you, where what decision you're in, what state you're in, whether you've heard the word or not, God's already spoken it. The fact that you have or haven't heard it doesn't, doesn't negate the fact that he has spoken it. It's on us to lean in. Proverbs 25, 2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search out a matter. You're a royal nation and a holy priesthood, according to Peter in the New Testament. You can't choose that. It has already been declared over you, as in you are in Christ Jesus. It is who you've been adopted to become. It's not your choice. So now you have to convince yourself that I'm going to own up to what, I'm, what I believe and who I say I am, who he says I am, because if I am in Christ, it's not about what I think about myself, it's about, it's about what he says about myself. Are you following me? Good yes? All right, Imrah. Let me show you Imrah in a few of these places in the Old Testament. Psalms 12, 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified Sevi seven times. How about seven times? And so this is exactly, the word is pure. This is pure. This is not tainted. This is as pure as God is pure. There's nothing more pure. And what is trying to purify, the what is trying to purify us is trying to create us, is trying to purify us to be as pure as it is. Meaning, it's challenging everything that's inside of us until we prove, we are proved, we are proved to be pure in the Lord. And that's a lot. If you're like me, I'm pretty hard-headed. It can take a lot. It's it, it a challenge. And Psalms 18.30 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. And the more you begin to allow, the, you allow yourself to conform to the literal word, remember we're talking about Emrah, the literal word, the more you conform to this right here and what God says about you and not what your head says about you, not what your ego says about you, not what your attitude, your culture, your, your lineage says about you, but what the word of God says about you, the more that you conform to it, the more you start to realize God is fighting my battles in front of me and I don't have to do anything but walk in those and conform to this. And the more, because the challenges are from Satan to thwart us from God's destination, his purpose, his, de his destiny. And so Satan's trial, his idea, his efforts are to thwart us from this to go towards his destination. And every challenge that comes along our way will mess up, okay, the, 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 the what's inside will come out but it must not stay there. Once we realize it's in there, we become more humble and say, wait a minute, that's not the route. Here's the route. This is why God, this is why God says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Something's going to happen. We're going to act out of our flesh. We're going to realize, wait a minute, that's not who God says I am. And then we're going to conform back to Christ. And through every one of those moments, there are growth moments. The more we go through those, the more we begin to, the more we trigger so quickly into becoming or, or looking less like Christ, it starts to reduce and reduce and reduce because we start to realize, man, and that really hurt me whenever I went through that and handled it that way, so I'm, no, I'm not going to do it that way next time. 
That's called conforming. All of a sudden, we used to do all these other things, and then God slowly over time with grace and mercy and love, right, beginning to bring us in. And when we step out of that line, he brings us back in like a loving father does. Here's another one, Psalms 119.11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. So he's hiding. He says, I hid this in my heart because everything, everything that comes along my way, every opportunity, challenge, decision, it's going to be filtered. My answer, how I respond is going to be filtered through this thing. I'm hiding your word and your emra in my heart so that I can make decisions from this and not my own desires, my own, my own attitude, my own will. I'm making my decisions. It says, until the prophetic word that I've been given from heaven, from the throne room comes to pass, this thing that I'm hiding in my heart is filtering out every decision that I will make so that, God, you can lean me, guide me, take me, and I don't have to force my way towards it, the prophetic destiny, the calling, the purpose that you have given, you have created me for because I am your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for or the good work which you created beforehand. And it's only going to happen when I just conform to this thing and I allow you to do it before me. That is worth what it costs you to get in here. Psalms 105, 19. Let me give it to you in the New Living Translation, which actually expresses it in a much more clear way. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. And this is a synopsis of this whole message series. Everything that we're gearing towards is, comes down to this one verse right here. Because until your dreams, the things that you really want in life for your family, for, for your finances, for your marriage, for everything that is near and dear to your heart, it's all going to come through this right here being tested. But not just tested, proven. Proven according to the Word of God. So... This is the synopsis. I, number one is, so sorry this, so what's the difference between my word from God and his word? Number one difference is this, I must submit my word to his word. Some people think, well, well, isn't the the prophetic word equal to the written word? No, it is not. No, it is not. No, it is not. The difference between a prophetic word and a written word is one small thing, and that's the human element. Like, you're involved. I'm involved. So there's, there's an element. There's, we tend to have a bent towards our spiritual understanding whenever we are given a word from God, meaning it, can, it comes through a filter. Let me think about it this way. It's like a water line that has a filter on it. It's, the word is coming from a pure source from God. As it's coming through that line, it hits that filter called our life experiences, And then all of a sudden, because of the mud, the dirt that's in our life experiences, our filter, until God can clean that out, that's why we're so adamant about everyone coming through a freedom conference, maybe getting into a freedom tribe, and then eventually having a freedom session. That's why we're so adamant some of our greatest issues are either discipleship or freedom issues. We would stay on the path of God's righteousness, his righteous path, if it weren't for inadequate discipleship, and freedom issues unresolved. But that's why it's so important for the prophetic is when we're hearing a word of God, whenever it hits that filter and there's dirt in that filter, all of a sudden it gets muddy. All of a sudden it gets muddy. And so we got to submit our word, my word, to his word. 
And you wouldn't believe how many people you say, well, yeah, well, I, I heard a word from God. Well, yeah, well, we got a word from God as well. And so we can compare your word to this word, and we'll see if it aligns with the truth, if it's really, really God's word. But if, you're, if your word doesn't honor and agree with his word, then you have to adjust your word, because this word never adjusts. We don't try to figure out, how can I make this word fit my word? Because that's, that's when we really start to spin off and get in trouble. His word's not adjusting. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says this, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. So when you get a word, you have a, a part of it. It's like God gives you a long set out vision, a perspective of what he has for you. Now, the more you get closer and closer, the more detail that starts to come out, more, more, more clarity starts to happen. But we prophesy in part because we, we know in part because we prophesy in part. So when you get that word, it's, it's just a little piece. It's a half of the loaf of bread. You don't have the whole loaf. But when we're immature, we think we just got the whole loaf and we just start running with it. It's a part. It's a part. Then we get another word and another word, and then the pieces start coming together. It's kind of like a puzzle being fit over time. We know in part because we only prophesy in part. Now, his word comes with methods and approaches, and that's where it begins to test us. Methods and approaches, whenever we get a word, all of a sudden, how we begin to deal with that word, how we begin to approach that word. And at, at times, you'll hear a prophetic word that seems to conflict until they're brought together to bring clarity. You may hear somebody say, well, and I'll, I'll just give you one, this right now. Even for this, this next upcoming year, I feel like God is giving us a word, and I'm never getting the word so early, to be still and know. But in the, same, in the same effect, I feel like God is saying, this is going to be one of your most productive years. Now, this seems to conflict. Like, to be productive, you feel like you've got to be busy, right? But until God begins to bring it into shape, and he starts to conform two things that seemingly, seemingly conflict, it looks like God is saying, if you'll just be still and know, I'll make more things happen in front of you than have ever happened before. That's when God begins. That's when you know it's God because you can't do it on your own. So you bring them into a perspective. This is, this is how God begins to work. We know in part because we prophesy in part. And words from God with dishonoring methods aren't God's intention. It's revealing the immaturity within the individual who God is wanting to use to bring towards his ultimate destiny purpose for their life. That word that God, that's from God begins a journey to test the character to the individual who has received it. The young individual, and it doesn't matter age, it's just immature and spirituality, they begin to get a word and all of a sudden they run with it, they take it, and they forget what God's word says about how to handle that, how to approach it, the methods, the character, the honor, the behaviors that come along with it. So the, the Bible decides what a word from God is and how it is to be lived out, fleshed out. The Bible gets to decide. And I know people who will not fulfill their purpose, one, because they won't bring, they won't come under authority. I know people who won't fulfill their purpose because they won't get in the Bible. They won't read this thing for themselves. They want to feed off of what everybody else is eating. I know people who won't fulfill their purpose because they won't tithe. This test where God says, I want you to give me your whole heart he uses this test in this one space because where your treasure is, so too is your heart. And he's wondering if you'll let go of control 
of what you think is important so that you can actually have true riches. Why would God, here's what he says, those who don't tithe, you're actually robbing God. That's his word. So why would God allow a thief to fulfill their purpose? Amen. And I know people who will not fulfill their purpose because when they have received a word, they won't humble themselves to this word. That's the biggest challenge that I see right now in, in the last four years that I've been leading this church. I see people, they get that word, and then they start to run with it, and they forget about all the character attributes that God begins to speak and try to conform them into being able to sustain the very purpose that God's placed on their lives. But we have had a phenomenal response, and that's, I think God is stirring back up the people that are coming here, you guys had a phenomenal response to the test. Man, that's what God's taking me through. Same person, that's what God's taking me through. He's taking us all through it all. I'm, I'm not exempt from these things. I'm just in a different place. You're in a different place. You're in a different place. You're in a different, Cassandra was telling me her test that she's going through this morning. We're all in different places, but we're all being tested by these same 10 tests to see if God can trust us with the more that he has for us. It's in our account, it's just not in our possession. And he's waiting to unfold it, release it. And I've heard many respond in how God is using, using this to speak into, the, into them. And you've been searching on how to connect to your purpose. And I'm telling you right now, this is how you connect to your purpose. You own these 10 dashboard gauges, these tests, and realize, wait a minute, God is, God is taking me through one of these right now. And how am I going to approach it? And here's how it happens. You start, begin, start being readers hearers and doers of the word. Start being hearers, readers, and doers of God's word, and then you will begin to drift, Tokyo drift, towards purpose. Can I, we're my fast and furious, folks. Come on, just me. So I submit, God, I'm on an island out here all alone. I submit my word to God's word, to his word. Number two, I test my word. Let me give you some, some, uh, background here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, 18 through 21. In every, everything, give thanks. Boy, I'm going through it. Give thanks. It's really hitting me hard. Give thanks. In everything that you're going through, in every trial, every situation, give thanks because it's getting ready to produce something. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What you're going through, it is the will of God so that he can conform, protect, provide for you strengthen you and produce his outcome in your life in everything give thanks verse 19 do not quench the spirit when he's speaking to you and he's leading you through things don't stop him don't quench him don't say no don't resist don't say no not this time i'll do it next time don't don't put it out when you hear him don't say well that's just that's not god that's me don't quench the spirit do not despise prophecies test all things hold fast to what is good. Test it all. Test it all and hold fast to what is good. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. What does that mean? We let others judge that prophetic word because remember, it came through you. Remember the filter, the water line the water, the pure water is coming through, but then it hits that filter and it's got a little dust in there, a little dirt in there from your life's experiences, from some other situations. 
that God's about to take you through that remind you of old pains and old hurts and old situations. And as soon as this prophetic word takes you through this experience, this new experience that he's using to remind you of an old experience, boy, what's in your heart from that old experience begins to flesh up and boom, what was pure becomes muddy. Boy, that's really good. That is really good. And the reason we have to test and judge prophecy is because none of us is omniscient. None of us is infallible. God alone is infallible. God alone is able to test or decide what's going on right here with what's going on right here. And God uses others to judge because sometimes we don't have perspective. Other people are spiritually mature. It's like, wait a minute. That doesn't line up with the word. So we speak it, we let others judge it, or we bring it to trusted leaders, spiritual people, spiritually mature people, and say, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. What is this? Does this sound right to you? And then it's judged against the word of God, not somebody else's feelings or desires, attitudes for you. It's centered right here. And you can always test a prophecy with the word of God. Deuteronomy, 11, Deuteronomy 13, 1 says this. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer, of dreams. And this is also why when we think we have received a prophetic word, it's healthy to bring it to spiritual, spiritual authorities to come under and say, hey, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying, to help us with understanding and character conformity along the journey. And it's so hard because you know what happens? In the Old Testament, they would literally lead people to other gods. It was a test from God through an through a false prophet to see if God's people would continually stay firm in following the Lord or they would be distracted and go follow other gods. Here's what we do in the New Testament. We get all excited. We won't bring it under spiritual authority for guidance, for understanding, for helping to conform to, spirit, to, to uh, character. And then we go and we take off and all of a sudden we make something that we think our interpretation of what God was saying, a God, it becomes an idol and we go follow that false God. Instead of, and this is why we allow others to judge, it keeps us strengthened and connected to the body of Christ. Hey man, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. Does that sound right to you? What do you think about this? Let's observe that thing because when it's judged, it's proved by other spiritual leaders, believers, uh, mature spiritual leaders. All of a sudden, it cleans what was muddied by your filter. It cleans it and it purifies it seven times by the word of God. And then it helps with understanding and conforming of character if we'll humbly allow so, so that we can be strengthened into the destiny that God has initially had for us. There's a lot to that, man. So we test the word and receive the word of God, and we let spiritually mature leaders judge the word. And two things are necessary. We have to commit to being, to getting into the word of God, one, and we have to choose to be humble, to humble ourselves to spiritual authority is the other. 
And God, this is always going to be God, the, the ultimate authority right here. So Matthew 10 says this, when we receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. When we receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, we receive a righteous man's reward, Matthew 10. It's the same for leadership. So I go, we know that, I know that my, my, my pastors, they're all human. I'm human. What Satan would want you to say, see is pick out the negative, pick out the issues, pick out the problems, pick out the trials. And we could all do that. Because every human is fallible. But when I go to my pastor and I see him as a prophet, as a pastor, and I address him and I humble myself in the name of a pastor, a righteous man, a prophet, I get the reward. Because God sees the character nature of my heart. He flows through my pastor and into me, and I get the benefit. And it's not about the other individual. It's about my heart's approach to the individual, the spiritual authority. That's worth gold. So I submit my word to his word. I test my word. And number three, I embrace my word. I embrace my word. So no matter what is going on in life, I live by my word as a vision. Get this. You can tweet this right here. I live by my word as a vision. Here's where I'm going. Here's what God has said. He's given me some insight for the destiny that he has for the purpose, the ultimate purpose for which he's created me. And then I live by this for protection. I live by the word that he's given me for vision. This is where I'm going, and this protects me on the way to where I'm going. Whenever all hell starts to break loose and stuff starts to fly out, everything starts to feel like it's falling apart, I don't respond and react to those things outside there. I continue to respond from the vision that God has given me because of the word that he has spoken over my life, and I allow this to protect me by conforming to this in the midst of all these things. Because guess what's going to happen? These things are going to continue to happen and happen and happen over and over and over until you begin to choose to conform to this on your way to that. 1 Timothy 1.18, and Timothy was, let's say, a disciple of Paul. He was a disciple of Paul. Paul wasn't a, a, a church, he was a church planter, but he wasn't a pastor. But let's say Timothy was in his church. He was under his leadership. Actually, Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus to lead a church. And so here Paul is writing to Timothy, verse 18, chapter 1. This, I, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage good warfare. Don't forget what God has spoken to you when he said you he would do. Don't forget what he said about you, what he said about your destiny, your purpose, because in those you can wage good warfare as you just stay focused on what God has already said he will do through you if you just keep up the good work, creating, living out good warfare. Having the faith, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have, re, have suffered shipwreck. Have faith, having faith, we know that faith comes by hearing, right? Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And a good conscience. You know what? You can't have a good conscience if you're not doing the word of God. If you're not living the word of God. He says, have good faith and a good conscience. But if you're not living out the word of God, 
you won't have a good conscience. That's why so many are struggling with what's going on right here. My conscience isn't clear. I'm struggling up here. My mind's not right. Because this right here has not been hidden in your heart, and it's not a lamp unto your feet and a, and a light unto your path. This right here is not making and filtering out your decisions. This, not, this right here is not where you're basing your foundation of decision-making going forward so that you can fulfill that word right out there. Suffering shipwreck. They, concerning the faith who have suffered shipwreck. You ever seen the people who just get started, they get that word, they get all excited, and they're getting involved, and they're going after it. And then you know how people just start disappearing? Do you know how people start disappearing? Moving on. Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom sometimes you just got to let them go. You got, that's what they want. Have it. I, hope, I sure hope God convicts your heart and brings you back around because it's ugly out there. It doesn't get any better. And many people who are saved and going to heaven are on their way with an unclear conscience because they refuse to submit to the fullness of what God's word says. They're settling for this thing called good enough. Good enough is Satan's destination because good enough is never gonna help you fulfill the purpose that God has. Remember, there's only two destinies, two, two directions. There's good enough or your will. Then there's the destiny that God has called you to and purposed you for. Here's how I know. I did this very same thing. God began to speak prophetic words to me, 2007, 2008, and man, it just started confirming these words and giving them around me and all these things. And I began to get all egotistical and haughty and God speaking to me. I even brought these things to my young adults pastor who he didn't quite get it all. He didn't quite understand it. And what I did, I allowed Satan to convince me that I was being rejected so that he could keep me from my destiny and take me into his destination. And boy, I took it hook, line, and sinker. And it wasn't long. I go from being baptized in the Holy Spirit, hearing the voice of the Lord, getting prophetic words, words for my life, which is actually the very things that I'm doing now. God showed me in 2007 and 2008. And boy, let something little, some little thing that God was using to conform me, to test my character. I took the wrong bait, and boom, there I am. But after a season of my own sin and my own lustful life, and doing things my way, realizing that's shipwreck. That's shipwreck. Come back, and I repent, and I humble myself, not only to my pastor, but to the people, my, the young adults in, my, in, in the ministry as well. And immediately God puts me right back on the journey he has set me forth. It's a character test. You're not failing. You're just yet to pass this branch of the character test. You're never failing. God's going to give you more opportunities, opportunity after opportunity. But good enough is never going to be it. So many of us, you've watched a generation settle for good enough. You thought, well, that's the way. That's how you do it. Like Nacho Libre, whenever he had to go to his first assignment. He lived a good life. 
He had a lush garden, little Roman dolls on a shelf. <laughs> Y'all know. You're collecting things around your house. You've got a nice garden. It's lush. But no lives are being changed around you. <laughs> your life may be looking like the man he put some coins on. Just being real. Can I be real? Sorry, when the Lord gives me visions with things, I just... Philippians 3.12 says this, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. This is Paul writing. But I press on that I may lay hold for of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What he's saying is, Christ went to the cross. And whenever I gave my life to Christ, he, laid, he went through some things to lay hold of my life. And in response, believers' response is not to live a life with lush gardens and little Roman dolls, but it's to live a life, press on through the difficult stuff. The stuff that just, it's just not easy. It's too hard to conform to this right here, getting over ourselves for the sake of him who laid hold of me. We lay hold of that for which he did everything that he did for. And that's not good enough. Jesus didn't go to the cross for good enough. He went to the cross so we'll live out everything that we're created to live out, to lean in, discover, to find, to be proof, proven, just like gold is proven for the impurities to come out, to be proven as the word of God is proven, is clean and pure to lead us. You don't have to do the work. You don't, have to, you don't have to fight for it. You don't have to make things happen that you want to happen. You just conform to the image of Christ and obedience and humility, and God begins to make, way, make a way where there was no way. He opens doors that no one can close, but you can't open those doors until you begin to conform to this. I want to pray for you. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. For worship team, if you'll come up here. I, 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 I'm just passionate about this subject. I'm passionate about this subject because good enough will never be good enough for me. And there's many great leaders in here that have been deceived into accepting good enough because it gets hard. It's not easy. There are attacks on your family. There are attacks on everything that you love. It is a struggle. But the more we just conform to the word of God, and in the midst of everything, I'm living the vision, but I'm living the word for my protection along the way. So my question is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And that is a prophetic utterance that is coming from the throne room right now. <coughs> To you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? He's identifying things, He's revealing things, He's showing you things. It's a piece of the puzzle that He's already created for your life, and in these moments, which you can cultivate at home, these moments. Bring us another piece 
and another piece and another piece. But we have to accept. We have to say yes. We have to take the steps forward. We have to realize that what's going on in my life is not really what it is. But what God says. Father, I pray for revelation. I pray that the word be illuminated in every person's heart. I pray that your word, your spoken word, your Debar word, be revived in every individual and those who have yet to hear and know that they've heard a word from you for their lives, that they lean in during this holiday season. And in the quiet times, you just begin to speak little utterances that grab a hold of their spirit. Father, I pray for inspiration that every individual be inspired to fight the good fight, to live beyond good enough, to do the hard stuff, the stuff for which you laid hold of us. May we lay hold of it. Father, I pray for humility to submit our word to your word, that we allow others to test, to judge, to help purify the word that has come through us from you. And Father, we just hold on to the vision. I pray that every individual hold on to the vision of the word against every competing distraction. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.